listening to Foundry Church's weekly podcast, where our singular focus is to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. Our hope is that today's message would help you to encounter the living Christ in a new and transformative way. Who's ready for summer? Are you with me? You know, next to Christmas, summer has the best music. Are you with me? I mean, some of you are like right there. You're ready for the beach already, like the bumper video. Um, We're going to have some fun, okay? Summer's a time of fun. And we're going to have some fun this summer um, because I think um, the Lord invites us to do that in all seasons of life. Uh, if we focus on the good, if we, if we can embrace what God wants us to know and not to think that life is always perfect, but to know that God is with us in all seasons and to celebrate the things that we should celebrate. Uh, whatever summer memories you have, uh, I think that there are playlists in our minds of memories and events and songs of summertime probably more than any other time. For me, it's the beach, it's the lake, You know, it's cruising with the top down, it's the pool parties, it's friends, it's endless cookouts, it's all these things that I have memories of that that I still um, every summer enjoy. And so one of the things that really I do think changes summer is a song. And there's songs all through scripture that are intended to change our attitude and our perspective and to lift our eyes to the Lord. And so we're going to have some fun with songs this summer um, as ways to jump into some of our favorite scriptures and stories as pastors. So we're going to do this, and it's going to be participatory. Okay, some of you are like, okay, this is summertime. You can't do that anymore, okay? So I want you to grab your phone, um, and I want you to open it up because we're going to ask you some, we're going to do some trivia. We're going to test your trivia, your music knowledge. We're going to have some fun with summer songs, okay? So you can either scan the QR code, or you can enter that website, and um, just so you know, do you see that little seven, eight, that's how many of you are following my instructions right now. (laughs) And so, yes, there we go. You know when Elijah was talking about the Israelites aren't listening to the commands of the prophets and they're trying to even stone them, that's kind of how I was hoping I wouldn't feel if that number was two or three. Um, But look, a lot of you are doing that. I'm going to let you kind of get loaded. Everybody's still loading. Give you some time. I want you to think about for a minute some of your favorite Christmas moments. uh, Christmas moments. Like I said, summer and Christmas right there. Some of your favorite summer moments. Some of your favorite summer memories. uh, Because we do have them and, and, and they are rich and they're good. And they're good to remember and to remember what God does in the summer seasons of our life, okay? So I think we're ready. We're gonna move. If you're still loading, hopefully you'll get in. You can see the code at the top still. Um, but we have 86 players. Can, you, can I give you guys, this is great participation already. 90, we're, okay? So there are gonna be three questions for us today. And we're gonna do this again. So this is, you know, like next time I preach, we're gonna do this. So um, you'll be, this will be practice for you, you'll be prepared. All right, so first question. 
All right, the Beach Boys hit says, off the Florida Keys, there's a place called Kokomo. In real life, there's a town named Kokomo where? Indiana, North Carolina, California, or New Jersey. Only one of them. You can answer right there on your phone. And you only have 15 seconds, so you got to answer quick. There we go. So 29 said California, and 29 says said Indiana. Indiana is the correct answer. I did not put Texas up there because everybody knows there's a Kokomo, Texas, just like there's everything Texas. There's a Moscow, Texas. There's Paris, Texas, right? I mean, if there's a, if there's a town, there's a Texas, right, <laughs> for everything. All right, so y'all did pretty good there. California made sense. That was a little tricky, wasn't it? All right, so how old, question two, how old was Brian Adams in the summer of 69? Some of you are already like playing that song in your head. How old was Brian Adams in the summer of 69? I have a call today or else I would actually sing for you. My wife thought that was funny. How old was Brian Adams in the summer of 69? Nine years old, 15 years old, seven. He was nine years old in the summer of 69. That was a little tricky too. So he was 25 when the song released in 1985. But, you know, I'm thinking maybe he didn't write the song because this is not really nine-year-old memories in the song. But who knows? A little tricky there. So I stumped some of you on that one. All right, last question. Cruel Summer, uh, Bananarama, I practice saying that like every, every, many times. Bananarama, which uh, it was their hit being featured in this popular 1984 film. Was it Police Academy, Splash, Revenge of the Nerds, or The Karate Kid? Which song is that, which movie is that song in? Okay, oh, second, Karate Kid. Anybody watch the remake of Karate Kid? Like last couple years ago, they came out with another version. It was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Give yourselves a hand, pretty good today, okay? So you're gonna, you're gonna, um, you're gonna be prepared next time, right? All right? So, just as we have our favorite summer playlists, this summer the preachers are gonna be preaching some of our favorite Bible stories. Okay, so we're going to talk about some of our favorite Bible stories, and we're going to, just a PSA, we like to do this when we, when we uh, just so you know, if you do attend both of our campuses during the summer, we rotate, so I'll be preaching this message again at Fry Road next week, and we'll kind of rotate back and forth, so if you do attend both campuses, you might hear the same sermon twice, and I always say, maybe God had a message you didn't hear the first time. <laughs> if you do that. But today's message can be summed up by this song. And I wanna see if you can name this song, actually. Just two seconds, I think. Maybe it's a little more than that. Anybody know what song that is? Yell it out. Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. Now, I, have, I would venture to say just from that little clip, some of us are gonna be, that song's gonna reverberate in our minds the rest of the day, the rest of the week. It's a great song. And if I wasn't sick, I would sing it for you, but my, I don't do a Tom Petty 
uh, quite as well as Pastor Andy. Pastor Andy can do a pretty good Tom Petty. But, you know, he says, well, I know what's right. I've got one, uh, just one life in a world that keeps on pushing me around. I'll stand my ground. I won't back down. This is the theme song, I think, for Elijah. If Elijah had a theme song, this would be Elijah's theme song. And I hope, you know, this is the ninth inning. This is the fourth quarter kind of song, right? This is rallying the crowd for that moment when it seems like all hope is lost, but we know that there's a God who doesn't fail us, okay? Now, I think it's important for me to say right up front, this doesn't, as you, as you heard in the scripture this morning, this doesn't mean that there's not discouragement, Elijah comes to a very dark place because of all the odds that are stacked against him, because of all of uh, the ways that things don't always go right. And I, wanna, I want us to dive into his story a little bit more. Elijah, the prophet, I think he could have been the original artist of this song. He needed to sing it many times. Um, let's set up some context. First of all, prophets. Like when you hear about the prophets or read the prophets, I want you to know a few things. Prophets are not fortune tellers. They're not just people who are predicting the future. Prophets did a few things in the Bible. They played this key role, and there was an office of prophet to deliver messages from God, first of all, messages to the people on behalf of God. There was a prophetic word. God is, God is redirecting. Remember, God has made a covenant with his people. They are his people. He's working out the, the redemption plan through them. They are to be a blessing to the whole world. And so often the Israelites turn their back on God. They forget the promise. They forget the covenant. They walk away and, and are, are an unfaithful and a stick-neft people. And God would raise up a prophet to speak his truth on his behalf to the people to redirect them. So they delivered messages from God. They called out idolatry and injustice, especially among the kings who were so influential and was, would lead the people away from Yahweh. They delivered messages from God, called out, out idolatry and injustice, and they reminded Israel of their calling. They reminded Israel of their calling. Friends, we need to listen to the prophetic voice of God today still. But this is what prophets did. They weren't just about predicting the future. Now we have all sorts of things that are fulfilled in Jesus that the prophets said about the Messiah. But they were to deliver messages from God. They were to call Israel back to the God that they knew and loved, their God, the one true God. Elijah was one of these prophets in the Old Testament and he was one of the pro most prominent. He and his disciple Elisha probably were two of the top prophets in the Old Testament, and he was a wild man. He lived out in the desert. His arch emesis was uh, Ahab and his Canaanite wife Jezebel. There's so many, there's so many, there are re a lot of reasons why when we read about John the Baptist in the New Testament, that he was the Elijah figure that came before Jesus as was prophesied. But Elijah was this wild man living out in the wilderness, and he had uh, King Ahab, about 100 years after Solomon's reign, King Ahab came into power, and was cons he's considered to be one of the worst kings in all of Israel's history because he led the nation away from God, uh, from the Lord Yahweh, to worship other gods, including Baal and Asherah. 
He married Jezebel, who was a Canaanite princess who came from a, a culture and a different religion that worshiped other gods. And she uh, did make it clear that, you know, this, this marriage makes it clear why God never, in, why he instructed the Israelites not to intermarry. It wasn't about uh, it wasn't about anything other than remaining loyal to God. They, they, God knew that the influences of other religions would, would lead the Israelites astray, that they would, just like they did uh, before, they would cry out to God to have all the things that the other people had. So Jezebel becomes queen, and as every first lady does, one of her first projects is to, uh, to, to, to lay out her own agenda, her own project. And she set out to change the spiritual landscape of the land, starting by importing a thousand pagan priests of Baal into Israel. This is what she does. And so Ahab and, Jebe- and Jezebel together instituted the worship of Canaanite gods in Baal over the Israelite god, Yahweh. And this is the context that God sends Elijah into. (laughs) They have turned everybody away from Yahweh, and Elijah comes into this this mess. And he comes out of hiding to deliver a message that challenged them. And yet, um, the people are crying out and blaming God for all sorts of things, that, that the hardship that they're facing. But the hardship was a result of these things. And Elijah is calling, calling them out and turning and calling them to turn back to God. And it leads us to this great showdown, okay? There's a lot of context there, I know, and maybe some of us fall the track. I don't want you to get lost in that because you're about to hear one of the best stories in the Bible, in my opinion. It's a great, it, it is like WWE, it is like paper, this is pay-per-view action about to take place, okay? Because Elijah calls for this great duel, this contest, and on the top of Mount Carmel, he calls out the prophets of Baal, and he challenges 450 prophets to a contest to see which God is real, Yahweh or Baal. I mean, this, this takes some guts, right, to do this. And Ahab sees Elijah coming. His reaction when he sees Elijah is, so it, it, is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? Interesting, right, that he would call him the troublemaker. And Elijah says to him, I'm not the one who's caused trouble. You and your family are the trouble, troublemakers who have refused to serve God. And Elijah challenged them to this duel. And so with all the nation gathered on the top of the mountain, he addressed the people. Elijah says, how much longer will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people of God, the people were completely silent, it says. If the Lord is God, follow him. Sometimes I need to be reminded of that. I think sometimes all of us need to be reminded of that. That that no matter what the circumstances of our life, if God is God, then we should follow him. We should trust him. Because we we can be so short-sighted and so temperamental and so fixated on things that don't really matter. But if God is really God, if he is really the one who created the universe, 
then we should follow him. Even with our questions and our doubts. And so they, they set up this showdown and the deal was that they would each offer a sacrifice and they would lay the sacrifice on the altar and then they would call to their God um, to consume the, the, the sacrifice to show that they were the real God, okay? You got it? This is what's happening. So I guess the Baal prophets were the visiting team because they went first. That was a baseball reference. <laughs> Just making sure you're awake out there. So this showdown, they, they, they come and they pray that their deity would rain down fire, would consume they dance around the altar all night. And about noontime, Elijah begins the trash talk. And it is high quality trash talk that's gonna take place. You'll have to shout louder, he says. Maybe he can't hear you. Perhaps he's daydreaming. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. That's the clean version, okay? <laughs> if you read the Hebrew. <laughs> Or maybe he's away on a trip, he's on vacation. This tells me it's summer, right? Or he's asleep, he needs to be waking up. Like he's just going on and on and on. He's just trash talking them because nothing's happening. So they shouted all the, the louder and they danced all the more and they even cut themselves with swords and knives to try to get Baal, their God's attention, but there was no response because this is not the real God. So finally, it's Elijah's turn. The people are all crowded around him. They got the altar ready. And Elijah, look at, listen to, he's cocky, right? Elijah takes big, huge jars of water. And he, instead of dancing around, he just takes the water and he douses the whole thing. Like he just wets it all down. Like I'm just gonna show you. I'm gonna prove a point, God's gonna prove a point. And he wets the whole thing down with four large jars of water, pouring them all over the wood and all over the offering and everything. He soaks it three times over. And then he prayed, "O oh Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. Oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you are, that you, oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. And immediately the lightning strikes, the fire floods down from heaven and the whole thing is engulfed. Friends, it's so easy to read through this and not catch how Radical, how amazing, how awesome this event was. Elijah calls on the Lord and the Lord responds. And you know, he says, seize all the prophets of Baal and don't let a single one escape. And he disposes of them, if you know what I mean. I mean, like this is, this is the story. And Elijah is on this mountaintop. He has just won the Super Bowl friends, and you would think that all of life would be just right, but you see, the problem is there's still an enemy of God. The King Ahab and Jezebel especially, 
Jezebel's not really very happy about what she heard went down. And so if there was a price on Elijah's head, it just got doubled. And so Elijah is running for his life now. He goes from the mountaintop to the valley really quickly. He has this experience and God, God does what God promised he would do. God shows himself. It is a mighty and a miraculous work. And there are times in our life, friends, where we're gonna cry out to God and we're gonna want him to do something mighty and miraculous. And I want you to know that he has the power to do it. But I can't promise you he will do it every time. And this is what we learn from this story. So cry out to God. But you better listen. Because he might show up in a way you don't expect. And just because he shows up doesn't mean that all of life will all of a sudden become perfect. And it doesn't mean he's not good. And it doesn't mean he doesn't still love you or care for you or see your hurt or walk with you. Because he walked with Elijah. And he did something amazing. And yet, life's even worse for Elijah on the other side. If you just look at his circumstances, he has to go hide and he's in the cave. And, and then we get to this section of scripture that Kelly read where he's hungry and the Lord feeds him with the ravens and then there's this story about a widow and her son but all the while he's running and he's hiding and he finally sits down in the desert in the heat and he says I've had enough you ever been there it's okay to say that it's biblical I've had enough but here here's the key I've had enough Lord the Lord is still Lord. And Elijah has had enough. But saying I've had enough, God take me, is not backing down. To back down for Elijah would, become, would have been to worship Baal. And Elijah says, I would rather die. And so Lord, will you please take my life for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. He doesn't want to go on living. Life is really difficult. And he lay under a tree and he went to sleep and then God woke him up. God says, get up and eat. And he looked there beside him and there was some bread and a jar of water. You see, God brings sustenance. This is basic sustenance. This is meeting the basic need that he has in that moment when he's parched. He got up, he ate, he drank. The food that gave him strength to travel to Mount Sinai, and this is a key part of the story. Mount Sinai is a place that plays a prominent role in the scriptures all throughout where God is gonna meet him. And he's hiding out. And God says to him, I have zealously, or Elijah says to God, you know, because God's like, what's up, Elijah? Why are you here? What do you want? Which I think is interesting because in the, in the transfiguration when Elijah shows up again to the disciples and Peter says, it is good that we are here. Friends, it is good that we are here right now. 
And I don't know what the situation in your, in your life is, but I pray that the Lord speaks to you about who he is and what he wants to know, you to know today. And that it's okay to cry out to God and to release our frustration even as long as we're taking it to him. Elijah says, I have zealously served the Lord God, but the people have broken your covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. And so God told him to step out. Elijah steps out. And what comes? A windstorm, a mighty windstorm that split the mountain, an earthquake. But God wasn't in the wind and God wasn't in the earthquake and a fire. The Lord wasn't in the fire. See, that first radical mountaintop experience is kind of being repeated and now God's not in the same place that Elijah saw him before. Instead, now God comes in a whisper and God whispers to him. And God reaffirms and reassures him and gives him new direction and new instruction for life when he's most tired. Go back, travel up north to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel, the king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. To anoint a new king, God's going to redeem, God's going to restore, God's not done with them. And then God says this to Elijah, and this is easy to miss, but this is important. By the way, Elijah, God says, you aren't all alone. There are still 7,000 in Israel who do not bow down to Baal. See, when we're in the pit, sometimes it can feel like we're all alone. But we're not, friends. And God whispers in Elijah's ear just at the right time. And his word brings assurance. And so this summer, I want to, I want to invite you to embrace life and embrace the whisper of God by doing a few things, slowing down a little bit, change the rhythm of life, get away, listen for the voice of God. Be present with your family, your friends. Remember that you're not alone no matter what season of life you're in. Remember that God is always with you. And if at all possible, don't go on that journey alone. But bring others who can encourage you in your faith to know that though the times may be bizarre that we live in, nothing is strange to God. And his faithfulness endures forever. And remember the good, friends, because there is good to remember. I love this line that I read this week that Rick Warren, the author of Purpose Driven Life, once said. You see, he had just released his book, Purpose Driven Life. It had become a hit seller, number one on the New York bestseller list. It had brought a lot of... of opportunity and a lot of influence, a lot of opportunity to share the good news 
everything was, was good. But then at that same season, his wife, Kay, was diagnosed with cancer. And Rick said this, I used to think that life was hills and valleys. You go through a dark time and then you go to a mountain and you go back and forth and life is kind of like this. He said, I don't believe that anymore. I believe that the good and the bad are more like two train tracks that we're riding on. And that as we go through life, there will always be good and there will always be some bad, but I will choose to focus not on all the bad, but I will embrace the good as well. Friends, I pray you can do the same this summer. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your presence in all seasons of life, that we can trust you, that you are good, that you love us, and that you never fail us. And I pray, Lord, that as we journey through the summer, that you might remind us of the good things that you have done, that you might whisper in our ear, that you might show up in mighty, powerful ways. In Jesus' name we pray. We are so grateful that you joined us today and invite you to visit us online at foundrychurch.org for more information on how you can worship, serve, and get connected with us.